Let me get this out of the way. And uh, let me pray for you as well. Why don't you guys stretch out a hand? Okay, let's pray. Amen, Lord. Yeah, Father, we do thank you for Maureen. Lord, we pray today that you're just going to anoint her by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we want to be open to the word that you've got for us, that you've given to Maureen. I thank you that uh, she's been hearing from you. Lord, let us be open to receive everything you have for us this morning. Father, we pray for Oldfield Baptist Church as well. We pray a blessing over that church, over that congregation that meet there, Lord. Father, we pray that, um, yeah, they'll just walk in your plans and your purposes for them, and they will see your kingdom come. We pray blessing over Maureen now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to be here. I just have to get myself organised. Hold on. (laughs) Now, I've got scribbles all over this now. I had this nice, neat, you know typed out thing and now I've got scribbles all over it that I've been writing down while we've been singing and worshipping. There you go, that's the way God works, isn't it? Um, It's great to be able to be here. I almost feel like even though I've never been to Hope Community Church before as a service, as if I've sort of come home because I know so many of the faces out there from one place or another. So it's great to be able to be here. I did wonder earlier on in the weekend if I was actually going to make it, to be honest, Actually, this morning, I wondered if I was going to make it at one point. But earlier in the... Yesterday, I had a phone call. First thing, yesterday morning, which is not very keen. I'm not keen on that on Saturday mornings. About nine o'clock, phone went, and it was the man who was supposed to preach today at Oldfield. (laughs) And he said, I'm really sorry, I'm sick. I'm not going to be able to make it. I thought, oh my goodness, now what do I do? I made about 10 phone calls and the Lord said, you are going to hope. Somebody will come to Oldfield, just keep phoning. (laughs) And eventually, a friend of mine who's a minister in North Holt Park, her husband agreed to come. So at the last minute, by the time I got hold of him, it was one o'clock yesterday afternoon, so thank you for praying, Lee, for Oldfield this morning, they need it, that poor guy probably does. But it's great to be able to be here. And for me, that was quite an affirmation from God to say, you're going to be at hope tomorrow, don't worry about it. Somebody might not want you to be there, but you're going to be there. This morning, I got up early. I remembered the hour. I have a smartphone too. (laughs) I got in the car, thought I'll get there really nice and early, went to where I thought the entrance to this school was, in Elton Avenue. And I couldn't get in. And I didn't know there was another entrance. I've only been to this school twice. And eventually, after asking about three neighbours, I found my way here. So here I am. But I wonder how many of you, when you're doing sort of walking around or doing things, you do it by remote control, as it were. It has to be said, I, I had to really force myself to come out of my turning and turn left and come down here this morning as opposed to right and go to the church because my car automatically goes there. The number of times I've been driving along 
going somewhere and found myself in the church car park only to remember I'm going to my sister's and she lives in Bushy. <laughs> Am I the only one who does that? Or I've been driving along the road and suddenly I think, how did I get here? That's scary. I know where I am, and I am going in the right direction, but I've no idea how I got from the point that I last remember driving to this point, because my mind has not really been focused. We all do it, don't we, from time to time. And as I was thinking about what to share today, it kept coming into my mind that it was Palm Sunday. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, oh, no. Got to think of another way of doing Palm Sunday. If that's what the Lord wants me to do, I've got to think of another way of doing it. Because it's so easy, isn't it? Whether it's Christmas or Easter, when we have these stories, we sort of do it by remote control. It's Christmas. Oh, yeah, we know that story. Whoosh, right over the head. It's Easter. Oh, yeah, we know that one. It's very hard sometimes to come to these occasions, whether it be Christmas or Easter or any other familiar story that we have. It's very hard to come to them with fresh eyes and with new insights. So I said, well, Lord, do you really want me to do Palm Sunday? You know, I'm sure Hope wouldn't mind if we didn't actually talk about it too much. And he said, I might. That's what I want you to talk about. So there we go. I'm going to read to you from John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. (coughs) The next day, the great crowd had come to the festival and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word of this. Many people, because they had heard it, heard that he had performed this sign, went out onto the streets to meet him. And so the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Amen. So having resigned myself to having to find, through God's spirit, yet another way of looking at this, I set to. Looking at this passage, comparing it to some of the other passages that talk about um, this event in the Gospels. And I started reflecting. I'm very good at reflection and uh, of doing things in reflection. And I started to reflect on this and thought, what am I going to say? How can we look at this in a fresh way? 
And I started to look at it to see what can we see from it. What does this story tell us? Apart from the fact that of the bits that we remember, which is the palm trees that you wave around and the palm things. Having lived in Pakistan for many years, it has to be said that every Palm Sunday we would literally go out and pull the palms off the street and we would act the story out and do a living sermon. We did it at Christmas too with the nativity because it was hot and you could and you had the palm leaves there. But apart from just telling that, what is there that goes a bit deeper that tells us about this? The first thing that I thought of in this story is that Jesus doing this, that this whole event was a declaration of love. Now, it has to be said, it was a bit of a surprise for me to think about it being a declaration of love. Because if somebody said to me, there's the Easter story and you've got to talk about the declaration of love, what are you going to use? I would have gone for the cross. Wouldn't you? Because if that's not a declaration of love, I don't know what is. So it was a bit of a surprise to me when the Lord said, this event of Palm Sunday, this event where Jesus goes through the street, is a declaration of love. I thought, that's really strange. Why is it a declaration of love? I looked and I thought a bit more about it. And I thought, well, the first thing is, when you look at how Jesus was in the three years of his ministry there, this event of him going through the streets on a donkey, it was quite out of character for Jesus. You think about who he was. How many times do we read in the Gospels that he went to people and he said, be healed, and they were healed. And then he said, don't tell anyone. Or he went somewhere else and Mary said to him, right at the very beginning, I want you to do something for this family who've run out of wine at a wedding. And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. All of those incidents, there's many of them. I challenge you to go through the Bible this week, the Gospels, and point out and pick out some of those events where Jesus wants to take a back seat, as it were. He's doing his teaching, he's providing the background for his disciples, but all of the time, he's keeping a back seat. The theologians of this world who write about nothing but these sorts of things, they call it the messianic secret. Because there he was, the Messiah, but he tried to keep it a secret almost. And yet here, we see that this is out of character for him. Here, he is taking, if you like, the central position. He knows that that's the central position. He's going to take that place and he's going to be the focus of attention all the way through. So it's out of character for him. It's something that he wouldn't normally have done. And therefore, in doing it, it's part of that journey that he's on and that we're taking with him, as it were, towards Easter. It's part of that final journey he's taking. In that sense, it's a declaration of love, of his love for us, of his love for the world and for the community. The second thing I wrote down about it, as well as it being a declaration of love, is that it's an event that Jesus organised. Now, there is a bit of discussion about this as to whether it really was Jesus who organised it, but I like this theory 
that he organised it before somehow. You know when he says to his disciples, go and you will find the donkey. And it will be tied up outside and somebody might question you, but as soon as you tell them what it's for, they'll let it go. Just tell them the master has it. That implies to me that Jesus had already organised for that to happen. So it was an intentional act. It wasn't just out of character. It was intentional on Jesus' part. He'd worked it out. It was an intentional act. He meant for it to happen. He was going to go and do that. So you might read commentaries and they might tell you a different story. This is my take. They could both be true, but I'm taking this one. Because I like that thought. Again, that declaration of love comes... Because it's an intentional act. It's something that Jesus is meaning to do. And he's doing it for us. It's an intentional act. He's not doing it because he wants to draw attention to himself as the person. He's doing it because he sees it as a process. It's needing to happen. Jesus wanted for it to be seen as a voluntary act, as something that he chose to do. He also knew, his disciples didn't necessarily know, but he knew that his time had come. All of those things all the way through where he said, it isn't my time. This is not the time when I should do this. Yes, I'm healing people. Yes, I'm doing this ministry as part of the teaching that I'm doing to show people who they can have faith in. But my time has not come. The greatest act of love has not yet come. Sometimes we look for the miraculous. It's almost in doing this intentionally, Jesus is saying, when he said to people, my time's not yet come, I can do all of these great miracles. I can do those. But that's not the main thing. We shouldn't just be looking for those. Amen when Jesus does them. Amen when we see those miracles in life. But he says there's a greater act that's coming. Something bigger and better. The journey is just starting. Those miracles, great as they are, they're not the main thing. The main thing is still to come. That's when he says, it's not my time. Now, when he's doing this act, when he's taking it purposefully and going forward with that he's taking it as the step that says now is my time I am going to take this in hand we are going to see how God works he wanted it to be seen as a voluntary act because he knew his time had come it's a very practical message of love very practical I like the practical I quite enjoy reading the theory too, but I like it when it's practical. When I can actually look at it and instantly see how it applies to me. I wonder this morning as you're looking at this, can you see how that applies to you? This declaration of love, you're used to thinking of it as the cross. And as soon as you see the cross, you can think, oh, the sacrifice he made for me. But as you look at this event in scripture... And see that as a declaration of love. I wonder if you can see how it applies to you, if you can see it in practical terms. Perhaps you're somebody who's fouled God in some way. 
Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know how you failed him or why you failed him and you've tried your best to work towards being what God wants you to be but you know you've let him down. Maybe you're feeling a bit ashamed. Maybe you can't think or even imagine how for you as a person God could possibly love you. You can't think about that. Maybe it's difficult for you right now. Maybe something's going on in your life that makes you feel miserable. Maybe something's going on that's hard and it's something that you're questioning, you don't have an answer for. You want to say, why, Lord, why? Once when I was in Pakistan, many of you know I worked in Pakistan for many years, um, after I'd been there six months, I got typhoid and hepatitis together. As my mother would say, she never does things by half. Um, I, I went down to three stone folks. As you know, I've made a good recovery, as you can see. In fact, a few months ago, it was an even better recovery. But I, I really, I, I struggled with that. And I said, Lord, why? I've travelled thousands of miles to come to this country. I'm living in the middle of the desert, literally. The whole aim was for me to come and preach your word to the people here. And here I am lying flat on my back when I'm not in the bathroom being sick. Why? It doesn't make any sense. And I many times said, I don't understand this. How can this be a portrayal of God's love? How can that be right? There were many things that happened during that time, which eventually, when I look back, I could see, actually, it was because of God's love that that happened. There were many people in the circumstances I found myself in there who came to look after me in that situation. People who I would never have been able to reach with the gospel. But because I was sick and I needed help, they were able to come. God knew that. I didn't. It was a bit of a drastic way of showing it to me. But I had to trust him. And it might be today, maybe you don't have typhoid and hepatitis, but it might be that there's something going on in your life and you're saying, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen to me as an individual. There are painful things happening and you're questioning him. And today he's saying to you, do you know what? I love you. And on that Palm Sunday, going out to show you that I was king was the way that I was doing that, showing my love. A new way, the king that they were expecting. Maybe not the king that quite they were expecting, and maybe that's part of our problem. Maybe we too come today and we're looking for a God and a king who's not the one that God wants to show us. We started, didn't we? I've written down these, some of these little notes here. We started with somebody talking about coming this morning expectantly. We can come expectantly, but maybe you've come expecting something that you want. 
and you're expecting God to do something for you. But you have a very clear and fixed idea of what that something is. Maybe a bit like the Pharisees, who we see later on in the story, who come in this event and they say, now look and see what's happening. Maybe you've come in that place today. And God's saying, look expectantly, but at what I want to do, not what you want in these things. It's a practical thing. It's a practical thing in all of that, for all of those reasons, but it's practical too because it is Jesus showing us that declaration of love and kingship that we are the person that's there. The other thing I've written down is that we see in this not just a declaration of love, but it's a declaration of something that we need to be thankful for. We need to praise and to worship him because of that. We've had a great time of praise and worship in singing this morning. But even beyond that, there needs to be praise and worship in our lives and thanksgiving in our lives. And I think that this event talks about that too. If you look at Luke's gospel um, and the way it's described in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 19 verses 39 and 40. If you look at that, it talks there about the fact that these same Pharisees and the scribes and the elders, they come to Jesus, the Pharisees, and they say, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus replies, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love that. I love that picture that Jesus gives there. Basically, these people are coming and saying, your disciples, your followers are all far too excited, far too enthusiastic, quieten them down, tell them off. They shouldn't be like that. Why? Because they were shouting the hosannas, they were running after him, they were singing praise to God for all, to all intents and purposes calling him king, seeking him to be the Messiah. And Jesus says, I might quieten them down, and if I did, it would be just for you. It wouldn't necessarily be right. But he said, if the people who are following me, if they were not enthusiastic, if they were not crying out the hosannas, the stones and all creation would cry, praise to God, because of this declaration of love. Isn't that amazing? I love it. I love just that. It's only one sentence. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love sunsets. Every time I see a sunset, I think that's creation crying out the praise and glory of God. I've done some wonderful trips in my life. Some of you who go to Centrepoint will have heard my talk about the wow factor of my Alaska cru Alaskan cruise. And I lived in a mountainous area. When I moved from the desert in Pakistan, I moved up to the Himalayas. Beautiful, beautiful scenery straight out of the window. And sometimes I look out on those things or I just see one individual flower. And I think, 
How can somebody deny that there is a creator God? How can they do that? It's so obvious. It's all around us. And Jesus says, even if I tell the people to be quiet, creation will shout the glory of God because it's there. So this is a declaration of thanksgiving and the need that we have to be thankful. Thankful to him for who he is that he is the king of glory, that he is the one who wants to come and be king of our lives. Next thing I wrote down, this is a strong reason for hope that we see in this event of Jesus coming down through into Jerusalem. What does it say there? Do not be afraid, daughters of Zion. See your king is coming, seated on a donkey. Direct quote from the Old Testament. Where in the Old Testament it talks in the same way in Zechariah. Where Zechariah says, the one who is coming, this Messiah that they're all looking for, the one who is coming will come seated on a donkey. He will come on a donkey and as well as coming on a donkey, he will become process and be like the king. It was a prophecy given in the Old Testament. People were looking for this. And here we see it come into life as Jesus gives this one of the first open declarations. I am the Messiah is what he's saying by arranging that by making sure that people know, I am the Messiah, I am the one who you've been looking for. God has a plan. It's been there for the whole of creation, from the beginning, right the way through. There is a plan. It's not a plan where we have no choice, but it is a plan where there is a way for us to follow and to ensure we are in his walking with him and in his way, walking in his way. As I look at it, I think, I want to follow him. I want to be part of that. Yes, I want him to be king in my life. I want to see the way that he works. But it takes trust and it takes faith. One of the songs that we sung earlier on said... I climb this mountain with my hands held wide. Nothing I I hold on to. Actually, I wanted to put a little bit of an extra line in there. Except Jesus. (laughs) I don't want to hold on to anything in my life, but I do want to hold on to him. And as we were singing that, and I was thinking about this and that procession that there was, and us following him and making us making him king and wanting to have that faith and the trust because it's not always easy, is it? Never easy to do this. Sometimes we have to go blind because we don't understand and God says, walk, and you have to walk. You have to go blind and that's where faith and trust comes in. And I think when we see this sense of God's plan and God's timing for Jesus... We can see it in our own lives. As we were singing that earlier on and we were talking about that, I got this picture of another event. I often use illustrations from my time in Pakistan. Sorry about that, folks. 
No, I'm not sorry, really. <laughs> but I had this picture in my mind of a wedding that I went to once. Now, as I say, I lived up in the foothills of the Himalayas for the last nine years I was there. And I was going to this wedding, and it was down the mountain, about 2,000 feet down, which was great, except for I did have to remember afterwards I had to walk back up. <laughs> Couldn't take the car. It was dark. No electricity, because the lights, the electricity had gone out. And the man who was the father of the bride, who worked uh, with us in the school, he said to me, do you trust me? Because I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it, because I can't see. And he said, do you trust me? I have a torch. I walk this pathway every single day, and I have done since I was about five. Do you trust me? I said, yes. He said, I'm going to put the torch behind me. I want you just to put your foot every time on that light beam and just follow me and put one hand on my shoulder. If you keep one hand on my shoulder and put your feet in that beam, we will get there without any problems. I was literally going blind. And we got there, and we had a great time. And as I was getting ready the next day to come back, their weddings happen overnight, as I was getting ready to come back the next morning to walk back up my 2,000 feet, I was taken to the pathway back up to show me. Now, I'm going to tell you this. It was this wide. Literally, just this wide. And it was a sheer drop down one side. If I had known that, <laughs> even with the beam, I'm not sure I would have done it. But I trusted him, because he knew the way. And as I was walking back up, God said, if ever there was a picture of trust and faith, that's it. And that's what it's like. Sometimes God has a plan. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't know where we're at. And we're asking all those questions. And he says, follow the beam. Put your hand on my shoulder. Come open wide to climb that mountain. Don't hold on to anything in your life. Give it all over to him. True. Holding on to him. Because he can take you even into the blind spots. That's where he's at. As we come into the close of this, I want us to reflect on this for how it affects us. I've brought a few things with me to sort of, that we might do something. I'm very much into having a practical response so that we think about what God is saying, what the word says, but we have a practical thing we have to do. So I'm going to give out... Excuse me, while I just do this... I wonder if you can just give everybody a sticky. Hope I've got enough in here.
Now, I was going to buy some pebbles like you put out on the garden and things of all different shapes and sizes, but you have to buy a huge sack of them, and I didn't need a huge sack. So I bought these instead, these little pebbles. They're all different shapes, sizes, and even colours. Bought to match my lounge, just in case there's some left over. <laughs> but as we think about this, what I thought would be good is for us to think about how does this apply to us as individuals and to respond to God within that, to think about it and say, Lord, on that first Palm Sunday, there was a great declaration of love that was put forward. Jesus openly takes control and says, my time has come. This is the time where we need to take control. I need to do this. I want to show you that I am the king. I am the Messiah. We have a response to make, whether we accept that declaration of love for us and how it applies to us. We need to recognise too that there's thanksgiving, that even the stones would cry out with thanksgiving, that God has a plan and even if we don't understand it, then it's there still and we have to walk forward and trust him. What I'd like us to do is just quietly reflect. I may talk through some things and give some suggestions as we do that. To quietly reflect with God on what he's saying to you today as uh, you've listened to this and thought about it. After we've done that and we've had some time doing that, I'm going to suggest that people bring up, if you want to, I'm not going to force anyone, and just stick on here, your sticky, with your things on it. Whether it's something that God has said to you, whether it's something of thanksgiving that you want to thank him for, whatever it is, and I promise I will take them all away afterwards before anybody else reads them. But as a practical declaration, maybe a promise that we're going to do. And after you've done that, I'm going to suggest that you take one of these stones, one of these pebbles. You're not going to do anything with it except for take it home and maybe keep it in your pockets. Some of them are quite small, so if, parents, if children come and take one, parents need to be aware of that, health and safety and all. But just to take one of these and keep it, maybe put it somewhere so that every time you come across it, you remember that statement of Jesus, of how he was walking around there, but equally how God was going to use that, that even creation shouts praise and worship to him. So let's just quietly think and pray about this just now. as we've come and reflected, maybe God's saying to you today, I don't require you to understand. I just ask you to trust me, to walk with me. It's not always easy to do that. God understands.
Maybe you're coming and you're somebody who's coasting in your spiritual life. It's not that you don't have a faith, but you're just coasting along. You're not coming with that expectation. And if you do have expectations, they're limited somewhat because you're just coasting and you're not open to hearing from God. You have your own vision of what God is going to do and what he should do. And God's saying to you today, give that over. Come to him with those open hands. Maybe you're somebody who is taking things around you for granted. You're listening to God's word, but you're not necessarily hearing from him because you're a bit like the scribes and the Pharisees and you have set ideas of what you're looking for. Maybe there are things in your life you're holding on to. Often when we think about that, we think of things that we want to think we should give up because the world is telling us we need those things and we should be willing to give them up. But maybe there are other things, not necessarily bad things, but things that God wants us to give up and give over to him. Jesus loves you. Jesus faced the mobs for you. Jesus endured torture for you. He made that journey of becoming man, of becoming the teacher, the discipler. When his time had come, he made that open declaration of love. When his time had come, he met with his disciples and gave a new meaning to that communion service, that Passover meal, talking of it as a new covenant, something new. He did that for you. He did it for me. He went to the cross and he went there for you. He went there so that you could be free. Free from your sin, free from your sin's addiction, free from the treadmill and futility of life, that you could be free to live for him. I wonder today, are you willing to trust him to walk out into the darkness and move forward with him, to follow him? Are you willing to serve him until the day and to trust his plan for you even when it doesn't fit into anything else? And have a few more minutes of just quiet and then as you feel led to do so, those of you who are wanting to or are able, just come and stick your sticky to the front here as an act of giving over yourself to him.
one of the other things that we heard earlier on that I wrote down, I think is appropriate to use right now, is that we were given that and sang that song, Will You Come? Will you come with me on a journey? It's not just today. It's a lifetime commitment, 24-7. Will you come to him and join the journey? Sorry. Just as I've been standing here watching people taking these, something else has just come to me. That each time a pebble was taken out of this bowl, all of the others moved around and filled the space. And it was as if God was saying, each and every one of us in this room has a place on his journey. And when one, for one reason or another, has to be taken away. The space is filled by God's Holy Spirit. When we work together, we make something beautiful. Amen.
word. I think sometimes you wonder, how much do people get out of a sermon? And I see today <laughs> that everyone's taken something from that, that God's been really speaking to them. So that's just amazing. Maureen, we're just so thankful for what you brought today. That was incredible. Let's just give her another big clap. Can we just show some appreciation? Um, the worship team are going to see us out. We're going to take up our offering now as well. So if you have